Well, are you ready for today's message? Listen, last week we started this series, Questions. Looking at questions uh, that we all, at some point in our life, we ask these questions. We may not say them out loud, but we think them. And we started out with this way. Help me out. God is good. And all the time, for those that grew up in a Pentecostal church, it just comes natural. You cannot, if somebody says God is good, you cannot, as hard as you try, say all the time. It's just not in you. And and so, but the question was asked, has there ever been moments when you've doubted that God is good all the time? And that all the time God is good? Absolutely you have. And we wrestle with the question, why does God allow suffering? Why, why does God seem so unfair? And, and as I was praying for this week's question, um, I was working on something, and I, I about halfway through it, but I was just like, man, this is not it for this Sunday. And uh, as I began to think back about some of the comments from last week's message and text I got and emails I got, and then online I, I watched a young man talk about how life isn't fair and the unfairness of it. I thought, well, let's, let's wrestle with this question again because I believe we've all said this, whether you want to admit it or not, hey, God, this isn't fair, or God, you're not fair. And that, that's the way we would, we would verbalize it. And how many of you have ever felt like God just isn't fair? If you haven't felt that or ever asked that, that's because you are six months older or younger or you're just in denial. Because we have it. God, God isn't fair. Um, I felt that and even have voiced it. God, this isn't fair. Uh, I felt it when my dad uh, uh, developed cancer and was going through all that. Now, I'm gonna be, I'll just tell you, I'm going to be very raw and real with you today. And uh, I, I, hope you, you, uh, that doesn't, I hope you don't come in here with the uh, mindset that pastors are supposed to be perfect and have it all together. Because uh, you might want to find another place because this one doesn't. But I had questions like, I, I watched my dad, a godly man. I mean, when I say God, I'm a godly man. He loved God. He loved people, an incredible husband, incredible father. Uh, he, he gave his life to start this church, gave up a thriving business to start this church. He was obedient. And then we're, and we're not just praying for him. We've got churches all over the country praying, believing for a healing, and he dies. And I'll just tell you, I was like, God, this isn't fair. I'm watching people, men older than my dad, living however they want, doing whatever they want, wherever they want, and they're healthy. This isn't fair, God. Come on, anybody ever felt that? This isn't, maybe you're like Asaph that we talked about him last week. He, he voiced it to God like this. He said, I'm looking around and I see these wicked people living the good life. And here I am trying to live right, and they've got better life than I do. In fact, he goes on and says it like this. He says, have I been foolish for trying to live right while they're out there doing whatever? And he voiced those questions. And this question, man, has been asked from the beginning. You've got Abraham who asked it in Genesis 18. He said, shouldn't the judge of all the earth, shouldn't you judge fairly? Uh, You've got Moses in Exodus. He says this to God. Why don't you treat people like they deserve? 
You've got Jeremiah in Jeremiah 12, 1. He says, hey, why do the wicked prosper? God, this is not fair. Why are you allowing them to prosper? You've got David over and over throughout the Psalms. Uh, he's like, he's been anointed king. And he's like, God, uh, do you remember the anointing and tell me I was going to be the next king? And here I am hiding out in caves, fearing for my life. God, this doesn't seem fair. And, and, and so we, we, we look at that and we might ask it this way today. God, why, why are so many children starving to death? God, uh, whatever the latest disaster is, uh, the tsunami, hurricane, natural disasters, fire. God, why? Why allow that to happen? Why do these people die? God, why is all this thing going on? Why, why are so many children abused? And if I'm being honest, those are fair questions to ask. Don't, don't ever be afraid to bring your questions to God. He's got, I mean, I, I was brought up uh, with this mindset. Hey, don't ever question God or get angry with God. And the more I thought about it, okay, you're telling me I serve an all-knowing God. Won't he know what I'm thinking? So I might as well at least open up a dialogue here, you know, and have some communication. But here's what I found. Most people that wrestle with the whys of this or the God, this isn't fair, they usually don't wrestle with those questions as something that happens far away from them. Where they really wrestle with this question is when it hits home. When it affects them personally. And that's when the deep inward questions, the very personal questions, we start asking why. I remember the first time I asked this question, why God? And really not understanding it. Um, I was on my way to Cleveland for a, for a rehearsal. I think it was for a Christmas rehearsal. Um, and I get a call that my cousin Matt, who me and him were very close. I worked for him at one point, and we were very close. And, and I, I've got a lot of cousins. Uh, my dad was one of 12, so I've got a lot of cousins. But me and Matt were very close, and I get this call. Hey, Matt's been involved in this freak boat accident. It's very serious. Hang up. I began to pray. And I mean, I'm praying all the while I'm driving. God, God, heal him. God, let him call me back and say everything's okay. He's going to be, he's going to make it. He's going to survive. Uh, I mean, he's, he just now, he was, uh, him and his wife had just had a brand new baby. He had just gotten his life spiritually kind of figured out. He's singing back in church, getting back in, involved there, using his gifts. And then in the middle of my praying, I get a call. Matt didn't make it. I'm talking a freak boat accident. Matt, well, he, he was a bass fisherman. He loved to fish. And he went on this bass tournament. He got out on the lake early that morning. It was very foggy. His boat stalled. And here comes another boat that is so foggy. When he finally saw Matt's boat, it was too late to pull back. The boat hits it, jumps over it. The propeller hits Matt in the chest. And I'm like, why? This just doesn't seem fair, God. A young man who's finally getting his life figured out. He's back in church. He's, he, he's singing, using his gifts, got a wife, got a brand new baby. God, this doesn't seem fair. 
And here's what I know, looking around this room, because I know a lot of you, you have walked through things where you're like, God, this isn't fair. You've asked questions, God, why did you allow me to get abused? God, where were you at when that man or that woman were doing, this things, doing these things to me? Where were you? God, why didn't you save my marriage? All I wanted was a healthy, a happy marriage. Here I am now, divorced and bitter. God, why? God, where, why did she get breast cancer? God, why did he get brain cancer? God, or here's, God, why can't we have a child? This is what I've heard. God, I'm, me and my wife actually want a child. And here I'm looking out and I'm seeing people getting pregnant and having babies left and right that don't want their babies. And I'm like, God, this doesn't seem fair. What's going on? Or, God, why was their child born with this disability? God, why did I get laid off from my job? God, why can't I just seem to get ahead? God, this isn't fair. And I honestly, I believe most people, we want to give God the benefit of the doubt when it comes to this. I mean, we, we really do. But we get this, we get kind of pushed in this corner. And it's like, God, I want to believe that you're in control. God, I want to believe that you care. But if you were really in control, if you really cared, you'd do something about this. And because of that, we like, God, this, this isn't fair. I, I want to reiterate what I said last week. I will not be able to answer all these questions with death. I mean, there are smarter, better people than me that have been wrestling with these questions a long time. But I believe it's time we opened up a dialogue and began to talk about things that people are actually thinking and questions people are actually asking. Because we need to hear that. We need to know. And, but, but here's, who grew up in church? You grew up in church. How many did not grow up in church? Just know you're my favorites. There is no reprogramming I have to do. There is no. So, I grew up in church, and the church was really good at saying really stupid things when people walk through stuff. Things like, you just need to pray more. Oh, you got sin in your life. That's why it's happening. This, is, this was actually said to my mom when my dad was going through his battle with cancer, that my dad had developed cancer because he allowed a gentleman in our church that was a mason to be a greeter and usher. I wasn't part of the church at that time, or I would have done some really unchristlike things <laughs> and said some really unchristlike things. Now, I'll say this. The woman came back later apologized to my mom, repented for those words, and said I was wrong in the way I believe. How many know it took a tragedy for her to find herself there? But we've become, we, we, we've been, we've become really good. But here's what I want to do. And if you ever heard me teach about Paul's uh, word for garbage, uh, I want to put aside all the scubula. And if you want to know what that word means, just do a search for Greek Scubula. Paul used it when he was referring to garbage or things like that. So I want to put all that out and let's get a very biblical perspective and possibility of why you may be walking through what you're walking through. All right? You with me? Yeah. 
If you're taking notes, let's start with this. Maybe you're a victim of a broken world. Maybe that's why you're walking through what you're walking through or whatever's happened to you. Maybe you're just the victim of a broken world. Maybe you're going through that. Genesis 1 um, opens up God creating the world, God creating the sun, the moon, the stars, the sky. He creates the trees, plants, fruits, vegetables. He creates all the animals uh, in the land, the, the fish in the ocean. Then in verse 26, God said this, let us make mankind in our own image. When he does that, and he's finishing that out, at the end of chapter 1, he makes this statement. Look at this. God saw all that he made and said it was very good. What did God say was very good? What, what? All that he made, including mankind. God saw all that he made and said it was very good. Well, in Genesis 2, uh, God tells Adam and Eve, hey, listen, you can eat from any tree in the garden, but this one tree, do not eat from it. And somebody would say, well, why would God even put it there then? Come on, anybody ever ask that question? Be honest. We talked about this last week. If you were here, Jesse, uh, we were <laughs> I'm giving you a hard time. Hey, uh, <laughs> I'm joking with you. Hey, but we talked about this last week. Free will. We've got free will. Because here's the thing about love. God wants us to love him. But you cannot truly love unless you're given the free will to choose love. And if you're given the free will to choose love, guess what? You're given the free will to choose hate. If you're given the free will to choose to do the right things, you're given the free will to do the wrong thing. And so God plants his, and get this, Adam and Eve weren't born with a sin nature. Yet with their free will, they still chose to do what God told them not to do. And we, most of us know the story in chapter 3, snake comes along, talks Eve into eating uh, some fruit from the one tree that he wasn't supposed to. And now, for, for granted, the snake was smart. The gr snake was slick. It knew what to say, how to say it. And poor Adam, come on, let's be honest. Adam really didn't have a chance. No, no, hear me out. All Adam sees was a naked woman in front of him holding something. He probably didn't even know what she was holding. He saw the naked woman and said, yes, dear. Some of you men are afraid to laugh at that because you're like, because you've done it yourself. What was you saying? I didn't, I didn't catch it. Uh, anyway, I'll laugh. I don't care. That was the moment sin entered the picture in there in the garden. How many know that's not the first time anybody sinned, though? Anybody remember when the first to sin? Lucifer, when he got thrown out of heaven. And we, that's, a, that's a different story for a different day. But here's the thing. Even Lucifer found this out. Sin brings consequences. And when sin entered the world through Adam and Eve's choices... It brought consequences. It brought curses. It brought punishment. Uh, the Bible says that from then on, having babies became painful. 
It was painful. Childbirth would be painful. It says the ground would be cursed. Then now there would be sickness, disease, death, and pain. And we, we didn't understand that some things that happened to us, some things that occurred to us had nothing to do with us. It was just the broken and sin-filled world we live in, and we were victims of this world. Number two. Now, before we get there, don't bring it up yet, because this is a tough one for me. It, I, it makes me uncomfortable even to say this. But it's a true thing, and it's biblically supported. Maybe you brought it on yourself. As we said, there are consequences to our behaviors. Anybody found that out the hard way? There are consequences to the behaviors. Some of y'all just lying. <laughs> as long as it makes you feel good about yourself, listen, that's... You know that people, they, they, don't, they don't like to accept some of the consequences and then when they do something and go about something and then they, they face the results of it, it's, why God? For instance, uh, you know, the, the young man and woman, they're having sex out of, out, outside of marriage. She ends up getting pregnant. Why God? How could this happen? And God's going, uh, I don't think I need to explain how it happened. You were doing something you knew you shouldn't have been doing, and it happened. Or the guy that's out drinking and decides to get in his car, drive down the road, he gets pulled over, gets a DUI. With that DUI comes some enormous fines to get his license back. And you can say, why God, why God? And God's going to be like, I wasn't pouring shots down your throat. I, 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 it wasn't me that was handing you the beers all night. You know, it's not me. That's why, or the, here's, here's one. Because Christians, we really like to talk about all the other sins except our favorite one. And we don't call it sin. Gluttony. And so we'll pray, oh, God, why won't you heal me of this diabetes? God, won't you heal me of this high blood pressure? And God says, uh, I would like to. How about you help me out and begin to eat right? And exercise a little bit. Because why am I... Thank you, Ben. Pastor Ben. Sometimes I feel like God says, why am I going to heal you of that if you're not going to change anything in your life and just go back to it? That was free. That one, I didn't even say that the first one. Somebody here need to hear that. Um, so, but we want, we want to pray. What about this? God, why won't you help me with, with my finances? And God said, well, why don't you quit living above your needs? Or your means. Why don't you quit going out buying vehicles or toys that you know you cannot afford? Maybe try eating at home instead of out every day. I'm telling you, some of the things, we bring them on ourselves. I, let, let's move on because y'all don't like this one. <laughs> the third reason. Maybe God is wanting to do something big. Maybe what you're facing right now, maybe what you're going through or have walked through, God is wanting to do something big. Maybe God is wanting through something you don't understand, something you don't like, something you never would have chosen for yourself, something that may even hurt you deeply. Maybe God is wanting to do something big through that. 
John 9 tells this story of Jesus and his disciples come across this man that was, uh, was born blind. He'd been blind from birth. Uh, let me ask you, do you ever think that man ever asked the question, why God, or thought this isn't fair? Like, God, why? Why am I blind? Why aren't any of my brothers or sisters? They, everybody else can see but me. God, why have I been subjected to this life? I, I'm, I'm sure he asked that. But what happens in this story they come across this man born uh, blind from birth, and people gather around him and start doing what people do. Start looking for someone or something to place the blame on. And they say, God, God, why, why was this? Whose fault is it, Jesus? Is it his fault? Is it his parents' fault? Who, who sinned that made this guy be born blind? And I want you to look at how Jesus responds to this, John 9 Verse 3, neither this man nor his parents sinned. In other words, guys, you're asking the wrong question. You're, you're asking the wrong you're, you're trying to blame, place blame on someone or some event for something. And then these two words, three words, but this happened. What happened? What's he talking about? The blindness. This happened, his blindness happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus said this, the moment this man went from being blind his entire life to now seeing, people saw the glory of God displayed in that moment. Because everyone knew his story. You don't think everybody had watched him because if you were born blind, the only way you really had to make a living was to try to beg for alms, beg, beg for money. And the people that saw this man begging, you don't think they knew his story? They don't, you don't think they didn't know he'd been born blind? They knew his whole life up to this point was just him trying to beg to make a living. Yet in an instant, they see the glory of God displayed in his life. In his life. This man who was once deemed unclean. Unwelcome in certain circles is now displaying the glory of God in a way that he never could have had this not happened to him. Man, I hope you are getting this. Something this man would never have asked for, never have wanted. God did something supernatural through it. Another great story shows that one, one of my favorites in Genesis 50. Uh, a lot of you may have heard his story about Joseph uh, and the coat of many colors. Uh, Joseph, his brothers, they get, cause, I mean, let me say this. Joseph did some stupid things leading up to this that would cause his brothers to kind of say, man, you're just annoying. We just want to get rid of you. We're tired of this. But they end up, they, they, his brothers are like, let's kill him, let's kill him. And one brother had mercy. He said, no, let's don't kill him. Let's throw him in a pit and then sell him into slavery. They really had some mercy. They had the gift of mercy going on. So they do. They, they, they sell him into slavery. He ends up uh, going to work for, uh, for, for, for a guy that was high rank in, in, in the kingdom. And then he gets falsely accused of rape. Trying to do the right thing. I mean, you, you read the story of him. This woman, this guy's wife that he's working for is coming to him almost every day trying to get him to sleep with her. And he says, no, no, no. And he gets thrown in prison for it. Now, I don't want to give Joseph too much credit because we really don't know what, 
the woman look like. But <laughs> Hunter, you know that was funny. Harvey would have loved that joke. But he goes through all that. And things he never would have signed up for, things he never would have wanted. He gets thrown into prison because of that uh, accusation of rape. He spends years in prison over this. Yet through all of it, God was up to something big. You don't think Joseph ever felt abandoned, alone, like God had forgotten about him? Oh, I know he did. Read the story. And through all that Joseph went through, things he never would have chosen for himself, he ended up being placed second in command over all of Egypt. And that set him up to be responsible for thousands of lives that would be saved during this terrible famine that spread throughout the land. And the famine was so severe it spread further than Egypt to where his brothers and his dad and his family lived. And they ended up having to come to Egypt to, to get food. And they find themselves standing before Joseph. They didn't even know it was Joseph. And how many know? I think Joe, when you read the story, I think Joseph messed with them a little bit more than he could have but. Uh, but he messed with them, and they ended up, when they finally figure out, and Joseph said, hey, I'm your brother. Man, they began to work through all these apologies. How, how are we going to get ourselves out of this, man? He's, he's going to do the same thing to us that we did to him. What are we going to do? And through all that, Joseph standing there in front of the ones that caused him all the pain, caused him the suffering, caused him to be placed uh, in that house where he would be accused of rape, all of it, it started with his brothers. This is what Joseph said, 50 verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all. Intended, intended it all? What do you mean it all? I'm talking about from the, when his brothers began to hate him, when his brothers threw him into a pit, when his brothers sold him into slavery, when he began to work at, at, for Potiphar and then gets accused by Potiphar's wife and, and gets accused of rape. Then he sends year, spends years in prison. It says he intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Could it be, guys, that God has a purpose and a plan for the pain and the, the ugliness you're walking through right now? When I think back over my life, 18 years old, full ride, full scholarship, to Lee College, it's Lee University now, full music scholarship. I went in, went in about a semester in, I decided at 18 years old. The thing for me to do, because I didn't need school, I was going to be a rock and roll musician anyway and make a lot of money doing it. So the thing for me to do was at 18, drop out and get married. Two years later, why file for divorce? And I remember praying, God, come on. I know I've done some stupid things, but heal this marriage. God, don't. I, I'm the only one in my family that's going to have gone through a divorce. 
I, I mean, this, you realize how this is going to look on my mom and dad? They're pastors. And I began to pray, and nothing changed. Nothing happened. And I found myself running from God. Loaded up my truck and headed out to California. Head out to, to, to go to work for an uncle I had met maybe once. But all I wanted was away from here. I was angry. I was mad. Even though I knew a lot of what caused a divorce was a lot of it was my fault. But I still was angry. Still wondering why God, why didn't you do this? Why don't you save this? And after living that battle a year and a half to two years of living there in California, when I moved out, I was making a good living, especially for that, that day and age. I mean, we're talking a long time ago. I don't even want to. And I was making $25 an hour, single man. Didn't have rent. But I found myself a year and a half, two years in, broke, busted, my truck uh, being repossessed. Uh, and I found myself just broken. Didn't even have enough money to get home. And I had to call my mom and said, Mom, if you'll get me an airplane ticket home, I'll, I'll come home. And I remember mom and dad picking me up at uh, Knoxville Airport, driving home. And I, mom sitting up there, put her arm around me, and I'm just crying like I can't get anything right. I can't do anything right. And I walked through that divorce. Well, within a couple of weeks, I meet Denise, who is my wife now. And uh, we became good friends right off the bat. And just, man, became, became friends. And not long after that, began dating and then were married. Well, then here along comes Kennedy, man, our, uh, our first daughter together. And after Kennedy, Denise became pregnant again. Seven months into the pregnancy, she knew something wasn't right with this baby. She wasn't growing the same. It was just something different. And uh, we ended up having a baby boy born early. His name, Christian Gunner. Second I laid eyes on him in that uh, delivery room, I knew something was wrong. Something was not right with this baby. And I had the doctor pull me out because uh, the baby had to come by C-section. And the doctor, she pulled me out and began to tell me what she thought was wrong with the baby. But not to tell Denise. Not to put any more stress on her. So I walk out of there, walk into the waiting room where my mom and dad, Denise's mom and dad, and there was little Kennedy who comes running up to me. Daddy just wraps her arms around me, and I just remember sitting there holding her, crying. Crying. I can remember it as if it were yesterday. Asking God, why would you allow this to happen? God, this isn't fair. Me and my wife have poured into, the, into a church. I, I'm a worship pastor there at that church. I lead people into worship to you every week. Why would you allow this to happen to us? Maybe God was doing something big through it. Because when I think back, had I never went through my divorce, I never would have ended up in California and being written to by a pastor that came here to this church 
to do a revival for my mom and dad. And my mom told, told him about me and asked him to begin to write me. And he began to write me letters. Well, little did I know till after the fact was he would tell his secretary what to write to me. That secretary was Denise Goins, who this past Wednesday, we just celebrated 31 years of marriage. Yeah. Had Gunner lived? I'm not sure about Sheridan and Zion because their whole plan was, okay, I've got a son now, we're done. But I can tell you this, that hurt, but I cannot tell you I cannot even imagine a life without Sheridan or Zion in it. Would I have picked the pain? Would I have picked the hurt? Would I have chosen to go through the heartbreak at this moment? No, but I've gotten to this point where ultimately I trust my life. I trust my pain. I trust whatever I'm going through. I trust God with it more than I trust myself with it. And I began to think about this as I was studying. I mean, men and Ace have done 30, 31 years of ministry together. 20 of that was worship pastors. In the past 10, senior pastors here at Watts Bar Community Church. And, and I began to think, you know, if there was anyone's life has ever been changed in those years of ministry, if a marriage has ever been saved, if an addict has ever been set free, if someone has got healing or walked through uh, healing for damaged emotions with my wife, I can trace it all back to the brokenness and the, story, the life that where I walked through all kinds of junk that I never would have picked for myself. I never would have chosen. I did not want, yet God was up to something big. So maybe there's a different category altogether. And you'll never, ever hear me say something like, hey, there's a reason your child's suffering. Or, hey, there's a reason you're going through this. I won't even go there because here's what I know. I think uh, it was Jill that uh, talked about how we just celebrated Easter two weeks ago. And we know about the resurrection. So we celebrate the resurrection. But how, and that was on a Sunday, man. But how many know there was a Friday before that Sunday? And that Friday was not pretty. We call it Good Friday. But I don't think the disciples at the time would have called it Good Friday at all. On that Friday, they were going, they, they were crushed. They were confused. They were afraid. Everything they had put their hope in was gone. The reason they had the lives they were living was gone. It was Friday. They really didn't understand the fact. Yeah, because in church circles, we're, we're, here's nothing. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And that preaches really well unless you're talking to someone that is in the middle of their Friday. You would say that to Peter. Peter, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Peter would be like, yeah, that's the way it works. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And that preaches real well. But if you're in the middle of your Friday, your eyes are not on Sunday. 
It's on Friday. It's on what's going on inside of you. But here, listen to me as your pastor. It may be Friday. You may be in the middle of your Friday. But I'm here to tell you, your Sunday is coming. It won't always be dark. It won't always be confusing. Your Sunday is coming. Maybe the day will come back. Come back and you realize as I've realized looking back through my life, that it took a death to bring about a resurrection in my life. That it took a hurt to bring about a healing in my life. I had to walk through Fridays to get to my Sunday. Maybe God is up to something big through that thing you never would have chosen. That thing you don't understand. And I truly believe this. If you're a follower of Jesus... I believe this. This is the last thing in your notes. When bad things are happening, God is up to something big. He never wastes a hurt. He never wastes a trial. He never wastes a struggle. God is up to something big. James 1, 2 and 4, to me is one of the most annoying verses in the Bible. Because it says this. Consider pure joy... When you go through trials. No. I don't want to consider it joy because I don't like what I'm walking through. And you're telling me to be happy about it. But let's break the context down. This is the passion translation of that. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can That you can. That still doesn't make it better, does it? But then, for you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up in you the power of endurance. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will, get this guys, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. In other words, stay in there because God is up to something big. And the areas you think you're lacking, you're going to find nothing lacking. There's going to be nothing missing, nothing broken when God gets finished with this. God is doing something big. If I can get Bubba, team to come on up. And we've got a lot of new faces in here. Some of you I know, some I don't know. But here's something I know about every single person in this room. If you've lived long enough, you've gone through some stuff that's caused you to ask questions and caused you to think, man, this isn't fair. But my prayer is that over time as you look back, you might say, you know what? I wouldn't have chosen that. I wouldn't want to go through it again. But it made me different. I'm convinced that some of the things that that Denise and I have walked through, though we did not want to walk through them, though we didn't like it, though it hurt, though it was painful, we are better people on the other side of it. There are some things that God grew in us that we never could have grew in those ways had we not walked through that. There are areas I'm sharper at that I would not be sharp unless God had allowed me to be rubbed in certain ways. I'm telling you guys, 
I'll even say this, it, if you allow it, it'll do it to you, it'll draw you closer to God. God's doing something in you. Because here's the truth. I never for a moment would have chosen to go through a divorce at 20 years of age. I never would have chosen to go through financial hardships and, and, and lose my truck and lose everything else that I owned. I never would have chosen to lose a son at three days old. I never would have chosen to lose my mom and my dad. There, there are things that, uh, even since Denise and I have been pastors here for 10 years, I never would have chosen to face, never would have chosen to go through. And I can lay out every possible scenario. And, I, and we can say, hey, God isn't fair. But here's the truth. All those things I never would have chosen. God was up to something big. I hear people say, God isn't fair. God isn't fair. This may surprise you. I agree. God isn't fair. And I'm so thankful that God isn't fair. Because if I got what I deserved, if I got what was fair, there is no way I'd be on the stage. If you got what was fair, if you got what you deserved, where would you be right now? So yeah, God isn't fair. And I thank God He isn't fair. Stand with me across this room. Come on. Here's what the psalmist said. Check us out, Psalms 103, 10 through 12. He, God, does not treat us as our sins deserve. Let's stop right there because that's enough for a praise break. God does not treat us as our sins deserve. In other words, God isn't fair. Then, or repay us according to our iniquities. Because I'm going to tell you right now, He repaid us. If we got what we deserved, I couldn't handle the weight of it. He says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's love for those who fear Him. And then this last part, As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us so God isn't fair I'm thankful I don't make light of the things that some of you are walking through or have walked through because I've walked through some junk but what I've found is that I can allow God to work something big in that and make me better or I can allow the enemy to lie to me and get bitter. That's the only two choices. You either get bitter or you allow God to do something big and make you better. Heads bowed and eyes closed. There's some here today, and you'd be honest, you'd say, Kelly, you know what, Pastor? I know I brought a lot of my stuff on myself. I know that. I know I'm where I'm at because of some things I've done. 
But I, I, I want to start a journey with Jesus. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. And if God can take the mess that I've made with my life of the choices and decisions I've made and do something with it, make something big, I, I want that. I want to surrender my life to Him. I'm tired of it all being for nothing. I'm tired of it all just being for nothing. I want it to count for something. If that is you, and you say, today I want to surrender my life and start a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep them up. Keep them up, please. Please keep them up. Hey, Ben. Jacob, would you go with Ben, these two brothers on the end? Come on, keep them up. I want somebody to pray. Melody, would you pray with her? Anybody else, man? Praise God. God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Caitlin, turn around right there and pray this lady right here. Right now, right here in the blue. Yeah. Anybody else? And God is doing something in here right now. People are surrendering. I don't care where you've been in your life, what choices you've made. God can take those things and He will not waste them. Now, everybody else, I want to pray with you. If you're here and you say, you know what, Kelly? I am in the middle of my Friday. I've got some things going on that I don't understand, and it's hard for me to trust God through it. I want to believe it. I want to say it, but I'm having a hard time, and I just need to feel the Father wrap His arms around me and let me know He's not abandoned me. He's not left me. He's still there, and He's doing something big in me. If that's you, raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep them up. I want to pray with you right where you're at. Father, you see every hand in here that is raised. Every hand in here that is raised, God. They're going through something right now. They're going through a situation, something they never would have chosen to go through, something they wouldn't have picked to go through. But God, they're in the middle of it. They're in the middle of their Friday. And they, they know in their mind that Sunday's coming. But God, it's hard for them to believe that right now. I pray. Listen, if you see someone with their hand raised, lay your hand on their shoulder right now. Come on, so connect your faith with them. Connect your faith with them right now in the name of Jesus. Right now, God, give them the strength. Let them see and begin to believe. Strengthen their faith. As, as the man in the Bible said, God, I believe. Help my unbelief. God, help their unbelief right now. Give them the strength. Give them the vision to see you are doing something big. And things they don't like, things they don't understand, things they wouldn't have picked for themselves. God, you're going to show up. You're going to show out. Father, I come against any bitterness that will try to settle in. I come against any lies the enemy has been whispering into their ear right now. I pray against that. You said, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you. Plans to bless you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God, let those words replace the lies. 